0: Wow, what a wonderful, wonderful time! Intersection of prayer and worship, and worship and prayer. Thanks for leaning in uh, as we want to keep growing, seeking the Lord together. It's a good thing, good place for us to be. We've had a pretty busy weekend here. So, as Dave was mentioning earlier, many of us were gathered together for our annual meeting. And um, the the one thing I want to say about that, number one, I do want to say a special thank you. Uh, to our church family because that meeting was just like a little synopsis, a little, a little uh, example, if you will, of many people coming together and working together and using their gifts in a, in a way and it brings harmony and a synergy and unity and everything like that. But that sort of thing that we experienced on Friday night uh, to pull off a meeting that's happening all the time. That's happening right now. That's happening across the, the span of our church. And so I want to just say thank you to our leaders, to our community group folks, to our people that are serving in so many different ways. And I think it's appropriate for us just to say thanks for being the body of Christ. Thank you for serving and leading. Beautiful. Uh, and this was also kind of sweet from the annual meeting. We, uh, our theme was not by might nor by power, but by my... Spirit says the Lord and that's the right way to celebrate you know when you look at the good things that God's done uh, we're not going to steal the glory we're not going to say well you know well, we did pretty well uh, we're going to say not by might not by power not by our efforts but by my spirit says the Lord so we can just give him all the glory and then we don't have to be burdened uh, with that we just give it all to him and that's the right way to celebrate it's also the right way to look forward when we think about what's God going to do in the coming year and I don't know about you, but I, I'm, like, I'm hearing some stirring. Like I'm, I'm, just, I'm talking to different leaders. I'm hearing it from different church congregations. I'm hearing from different places, even other regions, uh, but in the center area that God is stirring in some ways. And so what's God going to do? Well, it's not going to be by our might or by our power, but it's by His Spirit. So we continue to lean in. So I've just been really chewing on that. And uh, I, actually, one of, our, one of our kids, I love this, our kids gave me this. This is, gonna, this is going up in my office. This is some beautiful artwork right here. It says, not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit, says the Lord. And then another one says the Lord. I, I think that's me in the middle. I'm not sure. The guy with the big hair. But that's God's Spirit, and this is somebody else. But uh, I love it. Uh, I love that our kids are bringing prophetic uh, words to us as well. Um, So here's what we're going to do today. I have one other thing I'd like to say just by way of announcement, and I think it is a beautiful kind of living example of some stuff that we've been talking about in the spirit of stewardship and and mission and everything like that. You have a card like this on a seat close to you. You might be sitting on it. I don't know. It says Missions Rally. Uh, This is something that we're putting together. We do Missions Emphasis stuff uh, a a couple different times through the year. Uh, This March, uh, we mentioned this at the annual meeting, but I want to just mention it here uh, because we're in this little weird time. Our staff was talking about this like, it's still February, technically, but we're almost into March, and then it's going to be spring break, and people disappear, and then this thing is going to be happening. So, we're putting it in front of you a couple of weeks early, just so you can be marking your calendar and know. This missions rally is going to involve uh, churches from around our region. Uh, we're coming together, which is going to be a great opportunity to celebrate missions together. We're going to be meeting right here on March 17th, uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, it's a Friday. Uh, we're going to be doing some... I'm getting excited about it. We're going to be uh, praying for multiple continents. So if you have a heart to say, we want to see the Lord move the needle, uh, you're going to be covering a big chunk of the world uh, in one prayer gathering. And so we want to invite you to come out and exercise those prayer muscles. You're going to be hearing from district leadership, national leadership. We've got some missionaries that will be in residence. And then there's kind of a special opportunity, which is why we want to give this to you now so you can be thinking about it. On the back side of this card... Uh, is is a giving opportunity. And we've been talking about stewardship and generosity, so here's the chance if you're saying, hey, I need to get on the generosity wagon, uh, you can can do it this way. Uh, Our district is gonna be sending out two missionary couples Uh, from from among us uh, to go to the mission field. And so they've got some special needs that are coming up that as a district, we're gonna try to meet those needs. So we thought, wouldn't it be awesome if not only us, but the regional churches that are gathering together would do some special giving for this missionary send-off. When we do the send-off on March 17th, uh, they're not leaving on March 17th, but they will be with us And we'll be able to say, hey, uh, we're sending you and the churches from this region are supporting you. So if God puts a number on your heart uh, that you would want to give, there's some instructions on how to do that on here. It's kind of normal giving channels. And for those of you who know what the Great Commission Fund is, that's how we support missionaries, this is actually part of Great Commission Fund giving. And so it gives you a chance to just kind of jump in, give a targeted gift toward this couple that we're gonna be sending off. They will be with us on March 17th. I'm looking forward to that. I think it's gonna be a great blessing, not just for us, but for the regional churches to say, we're blessing you and sending you out. So we wanted you to be aware of that, even though it's a few weeks away, Uh, use this as a save the date, mark your calendars, and we hope that you'll be able to be there. All right, we're going to get into the last message on this series that we've been doing in stewardship, and I have to say, um, it's been quite a journey. I found myself, even in the first service today, I was getting like excited. I was kind of, you know, I was yelling and spitting, so hang in there, you know, you just watch out a little bit, and I did not think that stewardship would be the topic uh, that, that would get me sort of excited about kingdom stuff, but it's all about kingdom stuff, and, and you know, it's one of those things, in some ways, the message is this simple. If you get over the difficulty, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the uncomfortable aspect of saying, I'm a steward of what God has entrusted to me. I'm not an owner of it. I'm a steward of it. Uh, you make that step, and like a whole lot of other stuff com- becomes very, very easy. Uh, if you can't make that step, it, the, a lot of things remain very hard because you're always in this kind of tension. So today, the message is really as simple as this. Uh, stewarding beats owning. That's kind of it. I was thinking about a, a man that I met a long time ago. His name is Bill Wallet. That's really his name uh, on a stewardship. I, I have to use Bill Wallet in a stewardship series. Uh, but this guy, I, I shared his story this years ago. I shared this, and, and I just want to share it again. It was just it was so like touching and, and cool to me. Bill Wallet was a very likable guy, and what I mean by that is he was the sort of guy that he took Jesus really seriously. And he took God really seriously. But he didn't take himself overly seriously. And I've actually found that's a good recipe. You know what I'm talking about? That's a good recipe uh, for being the kind of person that I think that, that, that represents Jesus well. We take him seriously. We take his mission seriously. We take his heart seriously. But we don't take ourselves so seriously. Uh, so he was that kind of guy. It made him very likable and I was very drawn to him right away. He was guest speaking Uh, When I was at the Huntingdon Alliance Church, which is just south of here a little bit, and I think at the time he was a pastor in Mount Union. We got another guy from Mount Union, right, that was uh, from that area. So Bill Wall was doing ministry in Mount Union. So he told this story, and he said uh, about the first time that he and his wife, when they were very young, newly married, uh, bought a new car. And he said, we made this stewardship decision that you know all that we have is God's and we're only stewards of it. And so he said, we want to live that out. So this is, this is God's car. And even when he went to the to the uh dealer and and by he said you know i know my name is on the title but i want you to know this is god's car and he was taking this very seriously and they're driving home and they stopped at a store or something like that they go in and they're talking about they're sort of excited young couple first car some of you remember what that maybe was like and uh they came out of the store and the car is not where they left it and so they're like where did god's car go uh and then they look over. I don't remember all the details, but there was a giant snowplow involved or whatever. And there is a mangled heap of metal on the side of the thing that they literally weren't sure what it was. They didn't quite recognize it. And, and his wife, he said, my wife tapped me on the shoulder and said, honey, is, is that our car? And he said, no. That's God's car. <laughs> you know, and, and so actually... The, there, there's something to this, right? This idea stewardship beats ownership. You know, the burden of ownership, we don't want to put that on you. Uh, the joy of stewardship and what comes from a generous heart. When you understand stewarding beats owning, it will elevate your capacity for generosity, plain and simple. If that happens in your life, by God's grace, that will elevate your capacity for greater joy. That will elevate your capacity for greater relationships, greater sense of purpose. It might even give you a greater sense of adventure, which somebody would say I could use a little sense of adventure in my life, and much more. But the bottom line is that stewarding beats owning. I talked about several things throughout this series. We talked about generosity begins with the heart. Not your wallet, not your bank account, not your investment strategy. Steward uh, generosity begins in the heart. We mentioned that you cannot serve both God and money and this continues to be a really fascinating thing. I'm learning, like I'm not just, I'm not just teaching you this. I'm, I'm learning as we go and I'm, I'm challenging, I'm challenged in my own heart to look at that inverse relationship that the more I go after grabbing material things, it actually diminishes my capacity to love God well, and the more people that I meet that love God well, it seems that generosity and biblical stewardship is just sort of a natural byproduct of what they do. So Jesus said you can't love both God and money. You can't serve both God and money. Uh, We talked in this series about the fact that giving hurts but only when you think of it as yours. You know, so again, this is, this is just underscoring this, that, that stewardship beats ownership. When I think about it as mine, it feels hard to part with financial wealth. When I think of it as stewarding it, it's just a matter of obedience. God, what are you calling me to do? We gave you a tithing challenge, talking about giving 10% back to God. Um, many of you have even, uh, we, we gave you a little survey last week, and you've jumped in. Man, I'll tell you what, that has been like the highlight of my week, which maybe means I need to get a better week, schedule or something like that. But hearing your stories, it's been amazing. I sensed this, I'm going to mention this at the end of the message today, I sensed this that the Holy Spirit was saying, I didn't know this going into the series, I, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, I'm already writing the story about stewardship, I'm already doing it. And in some of our folks, I've been doing this for generations and doing this for, for a long time. I've been writing this story of generosity and stewardship. So, so several of you you know, kind of chimed in and said, "Like, here's, here's where we're at. Here's what we're challenged with. Many of you talked about genuine and substantial challenges that you're walking through right now and, and approaching in faith. I'm praying for you. You know, everybody, if you gave me a name, I'm praying for you by name. Several of you said, hey, I'm not gonna give my name, but here's where I am in the journey. I'll pray for you without your name. Uh, But it's an amazing story that God is unfolding. Last week, we talked a little bit about obstacles to generosity and tithing, and again, getting to hear kind of how you have learned and grown through that. I I wanna give one other sort of review thing. Uh, We've said this in each of these messages. I wanna just make sure that it is stated very clearly. Uh, The cynical part of you and the cynical part of me, as soon as we start talking about money, will want to say, okay, I get it. You're gonna tell me that it's good for me to be generous, but what you really mean, pastor, is that it's good for the church if we're generous. And, and here's what I wanna say, we've said this sort of from the beginning of this series, if we can look at it through a variety of lenses, no apology, this is part of discipleship, part of growing in Christ, here's what happens. When you exercise biblical stewardship and radical generosity, you start living a life that's defined by generosity, the generosity of Christ lived out through you, it is good for you. It just is. So I'm not gonna apologize for saying it. It's good for me too. I wanna be generous, I wanna be more generous. Lord help me. Okay, but here's what also happens at the same time. When you exercise generosity and good biblical stewardship and I do the same thing and we do that, the church becomes fully supported and the word that we have used is missionally uninhibited. And somebody reached out to me and said, I love that word. I love that. The church being missionally uninhibited, meaning that there are things as God calls us to do it, the ministry is being supplied. So it is both of those things at the same time. And we're excited about it. That's a, that's a double win. And the triple win is what happens when the world sees generosity in your life and says, Why are you different? What happens when the, the world sees generosity coming out of a church gathering or, better yet, a, a group of church gatherings across a whole community? So what is up with, with what's going on there? Now you've got a missional win as well as a personal win and a corporate win. So I, and we're saying without apology throughout the series, it is all three of those things. It's not a trick to say one to get the other. It is absolutely all three of those things, I want to give you another just quick quote from. Uh, this is from Jim Johnson. When we started this uh, series, it was February fifth, and we did baptisms. Do you guys remember that? Some of you guys were were here for that baptisms, and there was an older gentleman who was baptizing his granddaughter who attends here. The older gentleman is Jim Johnson, and um, he's a pastor from Texas who's a, become a personal friend, and uh, I, I love him and his uh, family, and. Um, He has a quote that I heard in a message that he gave, and I've just been thinking about it in this context. I thought, this is is really a good quote. So I'll just share it with you uh, as we get our hearts ready, and then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25. Uh, This is a quote from Jim Johnson. He says, You can give something to someone without loving them, but you cannot love someone without giving to them. So I've been chewing on that thought, and I was like, I think that's true. I think that's right. I think in all of the relationships that I would define as a relationship where I would say, I love this person, I love my kids, I love my wife, I love my friends, I love family, I love Jesus, can I have a love relationship without giving, being a part of that? So that was just sort of helpful to me. You can give something to someone without loving them, but you cannot love someone without giving to them. Uh, Your story of generosity is being told. We have a lot of growing to do. Uh, We trust that God will continue to lead us forward. As you look at Matthew 25, um, man, I'm half tempted just to just go blast through this really quickly. Um, Somehow or other, I preached for a really long time in the first service. But anyway, uh, it's just, it's so simple in some ways. Uh, Jesus' teaching, when you get to the end of Matthew, and we spent some time in the gospel of Matthew... Uh, earlier, So it's interesting that we started this series, Matthew 6, and now in Matthew 25. Uh, when Jesus' teaching comes to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, it becomes laser-focused, razor-sharp in some very specific areas. That Jesus is not talking about anything and everything. He is talking about eternity, preparing for eternity, the second coming of Christ. That's pretty much it. He's, he's getting his disciples and his listeners and us today. He's, he's focusing in on what is actually happening. You read through Matthew 25, you hear signs of the ends of the age and a lot of things you even see in our headlines today causing many people to say how, you know, every... We don't know when the time is of Christ's return, but every day that we move forward is a day closer to the return of Christ. And so we must live as people who are living with expectation of his return. And to the people in Jesus' day, here's what he reads... Here's what he says, and we'll read in Matthew 25. Uh, I'll pick up in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Which is an interesting statement right there. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And then verse 19 says, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So, I mean, you you can see, you don't have to dig deep to see, like, what is Jesus kind of getting at here? And in this case, he's talking about preparation, specifically in the area of financial stewardship. Um, The word talent is an interesting one. If you're reading in the NIV... Um, the NIV, and I'm not 100% sure why they did this, uh, they basically just said, because talent's kind of a confusing word, we don't use that in our modern day language uh, in that way. When we talk about talent, we talk about, oh, he's very talented at singing, or she's very talented at playing piano, or something like that. That's not what this is about. This is a, this is a unit of money, or it's a measurement of money, but it's not one that we use today. And so the, the new NIV translation uh, basically just says, a bag of gold, <laughs> you know, just like you can kind of like unpack that as you want. You gave one guy five bags of gold, one guy two bags of gold, and one one. One bag of gold. Uh, I actually like the use of the word talent though, because a talent is technically it is a unit of monetary reckoning, and it is equivalent to about 20 years wages for a laborer. So it's not little. Like when you're in some of you probably heard this this story when you were little in Sunday school or whatever, and it's like, hey, each of you get one little talent order. It's not one little tiny talent. Twenty years of wages is essentially what a talent represented. And so the interesting thing about that is you can modernize it for any point in history at which you are. If you want to say, well, what would that look like today? So, so you, you come work for me, and let's say, say we agree upon a, a wage of $20 an hour. Does that sound fair? Raise your hand if that sounds fair. Some of you are like, no way, man. You got to go way up, way up. Others of you are like, I'll do it. I'm there. So let's say 20, 20 bucks an hour, and I say, okay, well, I want you to work for, for 2,000 hours, which is the equivalent of a, of a year's worth of work. Well, now you just basically have gotten $40,000, you know? So that's a, that's a pretty decent chunk of change. Uh, but that's not a full talent yet, because a talent is actually 20 years of wages for the labor. So if, you're in that, if we're in that, you're going to be the laborer in that scenario. You're making forty grand a year. Uh, do you know the math? 20 years is eight hundred thousand dollars right I had this panic attack because a couple weeks ago I was talking about math and I got really flustered and then I was like I don't know if I can do math in front of people (laughs) and I have it written right here but in the first service I was like it's eight hundred thousand I think it's eight hundred thousand but it it, it is I don't know why it's like it's very basic math but okay so that so that's a lot is what I'm saying I mean in Jesus day it would have been a lot uh, and if we look at it in today's, I mean, all of us would say, yeah, $800,000, that's a lot. So that's what a talent, a talent is in reference to. And so it's, it's doled out to these people according to the will of the owner and each according to their ability. And then he doesn't really clarify that at all, but just sort of says, like, to their ability, it was given. It's the story that Jesus is using to make uh, to make a point, here's a paraphrase of what happens next: The guys with five and two talents use the money in a way that is pleasing to the owner. Essentially, they make more, and then the guy with one talent is called on the carpet for his lack of gain. That he is he is being motivated by fear, which is his own admission. I was afraid. You know, you're a, you, I knew you were a hard man. I knew that you were the kind of guy that you reap where you don't sow. You gather where you didn't scatter seed. And so, as if to say, you're, you're, you're serious about this stuff. I became afraid. I didn't want to lose it. And so I hid it. He's motivated by fear. That's, you can read about that in verse 25, 26. And then, the, and then he gets blasted. So the guys that are faithful, they are lavishly rewarded Uh, you have more, and and even this kind of interesting promise to say, you know, that because you have been faithful with a little, uh, you're you're gonna get more, but enter into the joy of your master. So they're lavishly rewarded, and I'd like to think that the guy who missed the mark, that he would get like a pass or something like that. He does not. And if that bothers you, uh, read Luke chapter 19, which is a similar passage, but Jesus talks about minus instead of talents or whatever, and there's a little bit different measurements. Uh, the, the punishment for that servant, way worse. Uh, but there is a, the, a serious reckoning for the man who does not do what he should do with the stewardship challenge. Okay, um, Here's two observations that I want to I show you. Number one... We said that this message is essentially boiling down to this that stewarding beats owning. Everybody in this particular parable believed that the ownership of the money belonged to the man who gave it originally. Even the wicked servant, you know, even the guy that was, they said, you're slothful and you're lazy and you're cast out, all of that. Even that guy believed that the money was actually uh, belonged to the guy who had given it out. But here's where. I think we got to wrestle with this for just a moment like someone has to be listening to this message and this idea of stewarding versus owning or whatever and you you have to say to yourself but didn't I earn this money I mean really didn't I earn this money didn't I get up early I worked hard I studied hard uh I I got the job I, I I I beat people out for a certain position I got to the thing, I get up early, I work hard. It's a little bit hard or maybe even insulting to have somebody who I don't even know very well get up and tell me that all the money that's in my bank account, I actually didn't earn it. It's not really mine. Maybe you wrestle with that a little bit. Well, here's how I would say, here's how I've wrestled with it. If I want to go that direction, I now have to ask myself the question, who gave me the energy or the intellect or the drive or the talent, et cetera? And I might want to double down and say, well, I, I made it up On my own. But at some point, I may have to do some business with the fact that I didn't create myself. I didn't create my own level of intellect or ability or drive or talent or whatever. So it's kind of this ever-humbling observation and this whole journey is humbling, isn't it? I mean, as soon as, we said this from the beginning, that there are, there are big ticket items that Jesus doesn't mind addressing that go deep into the human heart. Money is one, power is one, sex is one. There's probably a number of other things. But these are not like easy issues. These are not easy surrender kind of things. And yet Jesus goes after them. So it's a humbling kind of thing. And and here's a humbling observation for you, especially if you're wondering about how much you have actually earned and how much you deserve the credit, perhaps. It's interesting that in almost every field, across the scope of our vocations, in almost every field, the following is true, that there are people who have worked just as hard or harder than you, but are not living at the same standard as you you are probably doing better than some people in your field even though they are smarter or work harder than you and the opposite is probably true as well it drives us a little bit crazy doesn't it when we say like look how hard i've worked and i'm here and this person who for all i know is loafing is here that you see that in almost every field And I'm not really here to correct that today but I'm making that as an observation to say it is true that God often allows certain people to have certain things and we are not always the final decider of who gets what including for ourselves. It's fascinating and humbling. So we wrestle with that. Um, This doesn't mean that that effort doesn't matter but it's hard to make the case that your earning is the only factor when you wrestle with things like this. So that's just one observation. The people in the in the account here believed that it was the property of the giver and not them. And then the second observation is this, Uh, I think the reason that the responses are so polarized uh, and so extreme is this, that what we do as stewards matters to Jesus a lot. That's, That's what I would infer as I go through this process on my own. It seems that what we do as stewards matters to Jesus a lot. The faithful were lavishly rewarded and seemed to indicate that the way they handled their earthly test would carry over into eternity. The unfaithful was not shown mercy. Uh, But we said from the beginning, this was kind of an unapologetic part of discipleship. Like we don't want to coast on this. We want to get this right for God's glory and by God's grace. It seems that this is a part of a bigger picture with a high stakes reality and so here's what I want to do for just a few moments I want to talk about what is that bigger picture in other words what is the statement that you are making when you say I want to live a generous life and I want to exercise biblical stewardship okay what is the statement that you're making I imagine there are probably a few but here's a few for you Number one, when you exercise good stewardship, you are making a statement to Jesus that says, I care about your mission. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. This is where you may still be back here. You may be still wrestling with, is it mine? Is it his? How much do I have to give? da 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 da, da. Like, if we, can get, if we can get past that, we actually get to the place in our stewardship where we are making a statement that says, Jesus I care about your mission. The mission that you died for. The mission that you gave your life for. like We already know he's all in. Our stewardship is part of the way that we get in and say, yeah, we care about the mission of Christ. In a very related way, we say this. We're making a statement when we exercise good and biblical stewardship, but we say, Jesus, I care about your world. This is the world that Jesus died for this is the world that Jesus had compassion for this is the world that Jesus called us out of and then sends us back into and if we don't have a care for our world the way Jesus has a care for our world world, we're missing something when we exercise good stewardship we're making a statement to Jesus I care about your mission I care about your world this is a statement this is the little card that's on your seat when we gather together for this missions rally it's not to just have a rally woohoo this is going to be fun I think it will be great but it's a, it's a statement to say, we care about your world. When we make a generous contribution to send somebody out, we're saying, we care about this world. So we're making a statement to Jesus, and why, that's why I think this is important to him. And then the other one I think it's huge is this. We're making a statement that says, I care about your bride. I want to make that very personal in just a moment. I care about your bride. That's a, that's a personal and loaded statement. When you exercise good stewardship, you're making a statement to Jesus. I care about your mission, I care about your world, I care about your bride. Let me, let me just put it together real quickly for you. The mission is to reach the world. The means of reaching the world is through the bride of Christ. When you exercise good stewardship, you're saying, Jesus, I actually care about these things imperfect though my efforts are going to be I'm never going to make the perfect sacrifice the church is never going to be perfect this side of heaven we're very imperfect model It makes me wonder sometimes why in the world Jesus decided to go this way but he did and he said this is the bride of Christ and she's making herself ready so we say we care about your mission we care about your world we care about your bride that is what good stewardship means and I think that's partly why the stakes were so high for the people in this parable that Jesus is saying, "We're we're not playing around here. It's important. It's important that the church look the way that Christ wants her to look. I'm going to take just a pause on that for a second. I want to give just a couple of practical things because as I have heard from you personally, emails and many of you uh, filled out that survey uh, that we did last week. And, and I want to invite you, if you haven't done that yet, d- jump into that. Uh, let me know kind of where you're at. And again, you can share your name. You don't have to, but that's been a joy to be able to go through that as we're seeing that story. But one of the things that I've heard people say is when it comes to things like giving to the church, I feel like I don't really have... A ton of information. Like, I don't quite know what I'm doing. I don't really know fully what I'm supporting. Um, one of the things we did at our annual meeting, and I felt like this was really helpful, it was helpful to me. I looked at it and said, hey, this is, I can, I can help process this. Uh, and I, th- and so I share it with you, not to rehash the annual meeting, but to say, um, when you give to the church, like last year, the giving that went to this church looks like this. We have this up on this, uh, screen over here. Um, I think we do. There we go. The little donut thing. Um, it's this is actually a fascinating graph for a couple of reasons number 1 the the total giving that has come from your generosity is remarkable i mean it's remarkable especially when you factor in the fact that our total givers to this church and again I said this last week I don't know who gives and who doesn't give I don't know what you give or anything like that but I do know this we had 187 people or families that gave to our church ministries last year and the result of that number of people was over 1.8 million dollars to different kingdom things now here's the thing some of you would say, yeah, but I'm not super excited about giving $1.8 million to the church to keep the lights on and to get new carpets and stuff like that. But look at the graph. This is what was exciting to me. You see, some of that goes to payroll, staff, benefits, all that stuff. We've got a great team here. Uh, 19% of that goes to, went last year to Great Commission Fund, went to other missions-related kind of things. That means that as a church family, the money that is coming in here, you know, we're saying, hey, 10% tithe. We're actually giving almost 20% out to things. I'm proud of that. You should be proud of that. That's a result of your giving. That's a result of God stirring on your heart. It also, I also note, we noted this with our with our members on Friday that you know mortgage principal twenty one percent right now is going toward the building kind of stuff because we took a faith filled risk. We said we're going to do this six million dollar project a few years ago. We're now in the last quarter of that. You know, we're we're like we're closing the door on that thing. And when when we're kind of pulling together, this is the thing like every single one of us would look at that number in the middle and say, I'd never be able to give that. But collectively, that is what you've done. And I think what happens when we all get on board, we make some incremental changes. Some people that are non-givers say, I'm going to give for the first time. People that are giving, some say, I'm going to give regularly. Some people say, I'm going to take that tithing challenge. And some people that say, I'm going to actually move into the place of giving beyond and generously as the Lord puts it on my heart to do so. I mean, there's incredible potential that goes. And so, I just share that with you because someone are asking the question. I don't really know what it looks like. Well, that's, that's kind of what it looks like at this point in time. And the other thing I wanted to mention, just as a practical thing, is this. Um, on a weekly basis, here's a, whoop, I lost it, weekly bulletin. We put a little financial update on the back of that bulletin every week. So you can look at that and say, well, what are we doing this month? How are things going? And, and, and when that number's low and you go, oh, boy, we, well, we pray. Here's the thing it has been amazing. There have been several times. Last year we said, Lord, we're just asking for your help, for your provision. And the Lord ends up providing. It's been a beautiful experience. You can pray for the financial health of the church. We'd invite that. That's a good thing as well as contribute to it. Um, the, the other thing that we mentioned uh, last week, and I wanted just to say again, uh, for everybody that's a member, this is a, this is a new thing we're going to do this year. Everybody that's a member of this church or a regular giver to this church, uh, I asked our financial team to send you a quarterly update to say, thanks for, thanks for giving, thanks for being a part of what we're doing. Uh, with us again with an update of saying, like, here's the ministries that are underway because of your generosity, because we have a church that is, that is missionally uninhibited, and so we want to do that by ways of communication to you. So, that's just a couple of things. Some of you have been asking that question about communication, those are some of the things that we're working on. Um, here's what I want to do I got three commitments, but I want to give you one other quick example. Uh, We said just a moment ago, we're making a statement. Jesus, I care about your mission, I care about your world, I care about your bride. Um, I read this example in Robert Morris' book, uh, The Blessed Life, which is an interesting read, challenging me, making me think differently. I don't think I will ever think about giving quite the same after I heard this example. So let me share it with you. I'm just going to make it personal. Jesus, I care about your bride. Um, How many of you know my wife? My wife. Okay, you know my wife. Okay, we're not making gifts to, to my wife. That's, that's, not, that's not where we're going. Um, but, but if I came to you, especially, I'm looking at your faces. I, I know a lot of you. You're, you're my friends. Uh, we, we know you well. Um, if I came to you and I said, I need a favor, 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 I need a favor. So I came to a handful of you. And I said to you this. I am going to be away on a trip for a period of time. I would like you to help take care of my family. Specifically, uh, my wife has some needs, and I'd like you to help care for them. Incidentally, would you say yes? I think, I, I I believe many of you would, right? Because you know me, you know my wife, you love her. And then I say, okay, there's gonna be some cost associated with this, and so I take out some money, and I put it in your hand, I put it in your hand, I put it in your hand, I put it in your hand. So I'm gonna cover all the expenses for this. In fact, I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna do you one better. Take 90% of what I just gave you and use it however you want. Send it, spend it, whatever. Save it, invest it, splurge it, whatever, that's yours. But the 10%, I'm asking you to, to meet these needs, take care of my bride. When I'm gone. Okay, now you know me, right? You know my face. We're friends. How awkward would it be (laughs) if I come back in and you're like, yeah, I didn't do that. (laughs) Right? I mean, none of us, if that was our friend, we would be like, we would not feel very proud of that, right? We would be like, What? What what, what was I thinking? I mean, it's a no brainer. Why? Why it's a no brainer? Because whose money was it? Yeah. Yeah. In this story, it was is mine. Right? And I gave it to you and I said, you know, you use the rest of it or whatever. That's why this whole starting point, what's our starting point and ending point for today? Stewarding beats owning. Stewarding beats owning. So I, anyway, I, you get where that, where that story's going. You know, so I, I thought about that from like a personal standpoint. And I thought to myself, I may never look at giving to the bride of Christ the same way again. I just might not. And maybe you won't either after thinking about it that way. Here's what I want to do. Three commitments, and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, In fact, worship team, you guys can start coming up here. Here's the three commitments I would love to call you to as we come to the end of this series. It's been a joy. It's it's been a journey. Uh, It's been challenging. Uh, I hope that you have been challenged, and I I think that God has great stuff for us. So here's three commitments. One of these three, or all of these three, maybe the Lord would call you to in the coming year. Number one is this Uh, Some of you are in a place right now where the best thing you can do in the area of stewardship and generosity is ask for help, right? Some of you are in a spot. You need help, um, and that's okay. Our church, uh, I love the fact that our church helps and helps and helps, and I've even heard from some folks even this week who had the courage to say, frankly, the place I am right now is I'm, I, we, need, we need a little bit of help. And so we reach out and we're confidential. We got benevolence folks that keep that all uh, in a very sweet way. And, and so that might be your commitment. That if you're saying, you know what, I need to ask for some help. That takes humility. You know, it takes some, kills some pride or whatever. But I want to encourage you. That's your first commitment, if that's you today. Um, on that note, years ago, I got a card from a woman who said, uh, I don't live in State College anymore, but I used to. And 15 years ago, I was in a really bad financial place. And this church uh, heard about my need, reached out to me, helped me get back on my feet again. She said, I'm writing this card to tell you that the Lord has been good to me, uh, has, has brought me back to a healthy place so that now I'm not only on my feet, I'm actually able to contribute and give and, and, and be a, a generous giver. And, and I have a check She said, I'm writing a check here uh, to give back to the church. When we help people, we do not do it as a loan. We don't say you need to give anything back. Uh, But she said, I just want to, out of the goodness of my heart, give it back. And and guess what she wanted to give to, right? The benevolence fund. She said, help somebody else in the way that you help me. And I just remember being so blessed by a woman I never met before who was blessed by the ministry of this church. You might be in a place where you say, hey, I I need to get some help. So that's commitment number one. Commitment number two is get healthy. Get healthy. Um, stewardship is a real thing Financial peace, we're starting that today Some of you are like, I meant to sign up for that I wanted to sign up for that And now I forgot to sign up for that Just come to the class Come to the first class There's no responsibility or whatever We even have some lunch left over from the meeting on Friday So there's no excuse Just come in, spend an hour and a half with us And, uh, and see what God has Get healthy um, You know, I talk to people all the time it's, 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 Even from this church You say, I'm so glad that I did that Because I'm now in a place I'm not stuck under a pile of debt anymore and I'm actually able to give generously now and I'm able to live in a totally different way Uh, if that's if that's you and you're not signed up for the class and you want to come just come be my guest say you heard it here Uh, Aaron invited me so uh, we would love to have you up in the fireside room right after get healthy Um, that's commitment number two Uh, and then commitment number three is just get going get going dream dream bigger you know, 187 givers in 2022 making an incredible impact and in showing us that we're stronger together. Uh, you might be in a place to say, you know, I I need to be 200 and, or uh, 188. You know, I need to jump in. I need to be a part of what God's doing. Dream dream bigger. We're stronger together. We see ministry advance and disaster relief and new initiatives and greater impact that God could do. Do you, do you know that if the, everybody that called themselves a Christian in the United States of America was to tithe, there would be $139 billion that we'd have to figure out what to do with for kingdom purposes. You know, it's like when Moses said to the Israelites, you know, yeah, yeah there's a need and they come in and he says, All right, you need to stop giving because it's so, it's so much. Now it makes me think, Like, what in the world would, uh, what a mess, $139 billion sounds like a terrible headache to try to figure out. We'd probably mess that up so bad. Lord, give us grace. But we don't have to worry about $139 billion. We have to worry about us. What's God calling us to do as a church? To get going. Ministry advance, new initiatives, disaster relief, greater impact. Um, Here's the final thoughts for you. God is writing the story right now. And it's a good story. But there's more to do. Right now, we are standing on the obedience and the sacrifice of the generations that have gone before us. You know that, right? I mean, these are the great men and women of the faith. They made sacrifices that you don't know about, I don't know about. They had steps of obedience that we don't know about, and yet because of their sacrifice, the church exists today and continues on. The question is, will those who come behind us find us faithful? And that's the stewardship challenge. So steward it, don't own it. Find joy and generosity. And thanks for joining in this journey. I'm going to ask you to stand together. I want to say a prayer for you, and then I love this song we 're going to just sing this song, new wine um, and that it just feels appropriate let just let 's just pray this, receive this old prayer. Jesus, thank you for your generous heart toward us, Lord. you have lavished us with grace beyond measure, and we don 't want to miss that god we don 't want to miss that. I pray that every area of our life not just our finances but that's one would just have that fingerprint of your lavish grace over it so lord we thank you for what you have done for us today as we sing this song new wine there there is a there is a pressing and there is a, a crushing there's a a discipline there's a change there's there's a new priority there's all of these sort of things that lord we just confessed to you that can make us uncomfortable um but as you often do even in those times of pressing and crushing and challenging us you're bringing a new thing to bear so Lord, I, I do pray that these words would land with all the grace that they are intended, that you would cause us to grow in this area of discipleship. I pray, Lord, not just for our congregation, but I pray for your church across this state and country and even across this world, that there would be a releasing of generosity, Lord, that there would be a, just an incredible sense of missional, uh, in, uh, no inhibition for the missional work that you desire to do. And Lord, in all of that, keep us humble. And we say thank you for all you've done. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.